Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Okay, Francis Brennan is on the line. Ah, Say hello. Hello, Francis. How are you? How are you, Hugh? Oh, God, it's great to talk to you. I'm fantastic. I'm really enjoying our conversation with Mario. Really, really enjoying it. Thank Mayor, you very I've, much. I've always really wanted to know, what do you think of Irish people's tastes in general when it comes to interior design? Ghastly. Really? Oh, What's ghastly. the worst thing about it? What's oh, the, give it, give it, give it they, l- they love collection of rubbish. The Irish are you saying we have taste? We, no, we just have, we have that penchant for more and more and more and throw nothing out. Right, now so it's kind of hoarders. Other. Hoarders, yeah. they're all hoarders. Great. What do can do? I just say what? something? I love it. Underneath it all. You love the hoarding. Lo- love the hoarding. Oh, you love a bit of hoarding, do you? Oh, I love it. My guest today is, it's fair to say, an interesting man who has lived and is living a varied and colourful life. Presenter and judge on Home of the Year, The Great House Revival, and his new one, My Bungalow Bliss. Hugh Wallace has become a regular fixture on our TV screens. He's also been very outspoken about the housing crisis and the need for more creativity on the part of the government when it comes to address it. And yes, we do touch on this topic in our chat, but that's not really what our chat is all about, because I wanted to get into the stories about Hugh's life, which are so interesting. But I actually wanted to spend most of my time just getting to know him. Um, How he got into architecture, what it was like growing up as a gay man in a very conservative Ireland, his struggles with alcohol, which he's very frank about, his dyslexia, which he's very frank about, and even the time he got to dance with Freddie Mercury, of all people, in Studio 54, probably the most famous nightclub in the world. He's a fascinating guy with a fascinating background, and I think you're really going to enjoy this one, folks. If you say to somebody, we're going to put you in a temporary home, they go, ooh, I'm not living in a temporary home. But you go and look now at some of those temporary homes down in Jack's Hole, down in British Bay. Tell you, you'd love one of them. Jack's Hole? Indeed. Okay. Thanks for being here. There's one thing I'll take away from the conversation is Jack's Hole. Thanks a million. I believe people do not get up in the morning saying I'm going to be a bad person. But within five minutes, the circumstances have already determined... Yeah what their day is going to hold because they can't get out of their cycle because there is no assistance. Was I drinking too much? I was, jeez. Why were you drinking too much? Because the man on the shoulder says it's all right and I had no respect for alcohol. Mm. I had no respect for it. I had no understanding of the depths that it will go to shove you over the edge and kill you. My full chat with Hugh Wallace coming up very shortly. But now, comedy. Did you hear the news this week? Michael O'Leary is set to become the leader of Ryanair for another six years. Uh, but there doesn't seem to have been any vote. It's just that this news comes out of the radio every so often. Michael O'Leary set to lead Ryanair for the, you know, um, the foreseeable future. And that's all we hear about it. <laughs> and that will mean that he will have been around for 30 years. And yet he is still a humble employee. I think he only owns 3.6 of shares, the percent of shares in Ryanair. How is it he exerts all of this fantastical power? Well, listen to this. The great leader, O'Leary, a mighty dictator of his kingdom of the skies, Ryanair. 
declares himself emperor for another six years. I'm staying till 2028. Now shut up and get back to work. This will mean the feared and ruthless master of the European sky will have been in power for 30 years. Even lower fears! An iron fist ruling over his army of worker pilots in his relentless quest to take over Europe and the world. Fly! Building the next generation of flyers. Hordes of toddlers training on simulated flight decks, which will eventually see them invade Bratislava, Budapest, and Oslo for as little as 10 euro midweek. O'Leary will not stop. These children aren't Aryans. They are Arians. The other great dictators of the world can only look on at the great one with envy, like Trump. The great Michael O'Leary, good friend of mine, they call him Big Mickey. You know why? It's huge. Kim Jong-un. I salute my friend O'Leary for his 16 holes in one in the K-Club yesterday. And even Putin himself. Mr. O'Leary, any interest in running a special military operation? My one has gone to shit. All hail O'Leary the Great, in power forever, master of the skies. Here be Jesus, tis Michael Flatley here. You're listening to the Mario Rosenstock Podcast, top comedy podcast of the year at the Irish Podcast Award. Me arse, Pogue Mahone. And congratulations to the great Michael O'Leary for um, being unanimously voted into power at Ryanair once again. Many years may he reign. And there's award-winning comedy on every episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast, as you now know. So make sure to follow the show on Apple and Spotify and leave a rating and a review if you're all feeling generous. And listen, do what I ask you every week. Just tell one person that you like the podcast and recommend it. That's all I ask. One person. And you can tell me that you told somebody as well. You can get in touch with me personally, MarioRosenstock at gmail.com. I read them all and I get back to about 95% of them. I'm on Twitter, Facebook and all on Instagram as well. So let's meet Hugh Wallace, TV presenter, architect, straight shooter and great storyteller. There were so many places I could have started this conversation, but ultimately it had to be the story because this jumped out at me about how he ended up dancing with the great Freddie Mercury, frontman of Queen and the world famous New York nightclub Studio 54 is where it all went down. Hugh, the first thing I want to talk to you, first of all, thanks for a million for doing my podcast. Not at all. I'm delighted to be here. And the, you are a veteran, of course, of the Sunday Roast. You appeared on indeed, it a number of times. Indeed, I love that. And I really enjoyed your appearances on those as well. But listen, just just listening to all your podcasts that you've appeared on and listening to all the things, I just one thing just jumped out at me. Well, loads of things jumped out at me. <laughs> but one thing particularly. You danced with Freddie Mercury I in did. Studio 54. There you go. Okay, just ta- I want to know all about that story. Well, how did how did this happen? Well, it was amazing. My J one visa had it off. Age? I, what age were you? Oh, twenty two. Yeah. Left Ireland with my best friend. Arrived in New York. We didn't want. What year are we looking at? Now? We're lo- twenty two. Oh, forty years ago. Okay. <laughs> forty years ago, and right. um, we didn't want to go anywhere that anyone knew us. Yes. That was critical. Because everybody else was going to Boston. They were going to Chicago or staying in New York. Mm. And Dallas was on the TV at the time. Yeah. So we said, that's where we'll go. And we got a one-way flight to Dallas. Yeah. And we became dustbin collectors. Yeah. Painters. Everything had the most amazing summer. Yeah. Down in Dallas. 
there was this lady who'd just been divorced, Becca. She lived across the corridor. She took us under her, her umbrella because we were two virgins trying to find out what it was all about. And we had the most amazing blast in Dallas, I can't tell you. Yeah. And and was Dallas a cosmopolitan city? Amazing, yeah, amazing. Yeah. So it wasn't amazing South, it wasn't southern rednecky. No, just, no, 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 no. No, it was amazing. Yeah. The Dallas Fourth Worth Metroplex, yeah. and you'd follow a cloud across it, yeah. and the rain and the excitement of seeing rain. Yeah. But the most amazing place. And then Becca worked for Southwestern, and she'd get us free tickets, and we'd go to Austin or San Antonio mm. or Houston mm. for the weekend. Mm. We'd have a car and chauffeur and we'd mm. stay in the best hotels because it was all for free. Oh, wow. A wild, just wild. And it was exploring things you'd never done before. Mm-hmm. And because you knew no one, mm. there was no tales to be told. Mm. So by the time I got to to New York, yes. I was still a virgin. Yes. And I thought, well, I have four days left and yeah. I'm not going home. Yeah. That was the truth. Yeah. So along came Uh, Alex, who was this 26-year-old student doctor, uh, and he was uh, Italian-American, handsome, and he knew how to get about. And so my life in New York started at six o'clock in the evening and ended at eight o'clock in the morning. Absolutely. I never saw the daytime in New York. Nighttime lifestyle. That was it. Went to Studio 54, well, went to the best this, places right? for, for, and he I'm just... I'm intrigued with this because yeah, the Studio 54 yeah. thing. So you're talking about 1982, yep. Studio 54, Hot. possibly the most famous nightclub in the world, notoriously difficult to get yeah. into. Was Alex helping you Al- to get in No, there? Alex just straight in the door. Ah, exactly. So straight you were walking in, in with Alex. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, Alex. tell us about the night there. Or the... Well, just, to, you know, to, when you think back, you see, there were no cameras, there was mm. no photographs, mm. there was no phones. Mm. So everybody was much more relaxed yeah. because there were no, no, there was no, after, you know, there was yeah. nothing could happen. Yeah. You could just say, no, I wasn't there. Yeah. And everybody go, no, he wasn't there yeah. Yeah. or they weren't yeah. there. And mm. it was amazing. Like mm. the music was amazing to see light shows that mm. actually interacted with the music. Yeah. That was a novelty. Yeah. yeah. And it was just big production stuff. Yeah, yeah. You you danced with Freddie Mercury. I did. Yeah. yeah. He came up and asked me, "Would I have no a dance?" No way. Yeah. yeah. And was it in that classic, you know, British sort of Zanzibarian voice? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. He's yeah. and he he was an amazing man. Amazing yeah. man. What was he dressed man. in? Oh, tight jeans, ripped, and he had a check shirt because. Yeah. Uh, he, he was liked, he handsome? He, oh, very handsome. Yeah, well, like uh, for for uh, in, oh, in, in, a, in that's an interesting man. thing because in, in let's say in the gay world, right? Would would Freddie Mercury have been regarded as attractive? Very. Yeah, he was very attractive. Mm, he mm. was a handsome man. Mm. He was young. He was, you know, he was definitely bouncing around off yeah. the walls. Yeah, but Trump used to go there all the time as well. Of course, who Trump? Never, never. Oh yes, him, yeah. he used to go there all the oh, time. My I mean, God. he was. He used to. This was part of his period where Ooh. he described. Um, he described uh, his AIDS and the the whole AIDS epidemic and avoiding sexual Ooh. diseases. Oh, he was. He described it. At, uh, it's his period at Studio Studio Fifty Four as my own personal Vietnam. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, thank God he wasn't there that night. But yeah, he wasn't in Vietnam either. No, but do you look back or, on that and go, that was hilarious. I danced with Freddie Bloody Mercury. Yeah, I do. And you have those moments, mm. you know, 
those are treats. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're always with you, those memories. Yeah. And they're so important. Yeah. And, but it's also, I believe you have those treats because you're open. Mm. Open to new experiences yeah. and friendly to people. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of look at, li- look at life like that as well myself. Um, I think uh, my, my kind of attitude is be kind of a little bit open to people, even at the risk of kind of opening yourself up to a little bit of you, they could take advantage of you yeah, yeah. because it's only then you really get to know people anyway but if you're constantly closed off from people you'll never really know No you don't know and it's also interesting when you don't ask people who mm. they are mm. That's an interesting one mm. What do you mean? Well you don't go and where do you work and what do you do mm. and all that mm. You mm. don't have those conversations mm. because I believe people close up when you start to ask those questions yeah. A lot of Irish people are terrors for asking you, what do you do? Where do you come oh, from? And God. where do you, you go to school? Where do you go to school? Yeah, but you know that question. But trying now. to figure out how much you earn by, yeah. where, you know, where and who you work for. Are you left footer? Like, yeah. Are you a proddy? <laughs> oh, sorry. Is that what it meant? Yeah. Right. Oh, you know, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> left footer. Yeah, left footer, you know? <laughs> yeah. How do you find, because uh, one of the things I love about talking to you is... Um, how how actually open you are, and yeah. you've just talked about that. And yeah. um, have you found have you, have you remained open through the years um, in your public persona, or have you felt mm, better fucking button that now? Never know what's going to come out of this. Or have you found yourself have you found have you found your your your, your demeanour changing a bit? No, my demeanour has changed, and I'm much more open. Oh, you're more open, much more open than I would have been. I was much more reserved. Oh, and I think it's important to be open and discuss things mm. because so many people don't discuss mm. things. And, you know, as I said, I'm gay, I'm dyslexic, I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So there you go. But you can take me as I am. Mm. I, I can't. They're all things that I can't change. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to change. Mm. There would be a time I wanted to. Mm. No, I don't want to. Mm. They're all they're all part of my character. Mm. But I find it funny that people are reluctant to discuss. Even today, down the country, people are reluctant to discuss their sexuality. Mm. We, we just assume, because we're living in Dublin, everybody talks about mm. it. They don't. Mm. And when you go down and they the don't country, down the country, yeah. They don't. Mm. And there's still privacy and there's still people who don't want to come out of the closet and talk about it. Mm. And so for me... It's important to talk about it, mm. not not in a way of. For me, it's not one of protest or anything else. It's just saying I'm the exact same as you, mm. um, and and there you go. You can take me or leave me. We, I worked in Oman in the Middle East, mm. <clears throat> so I told everyone I was a gay mm. from the outset. Mm. Because how did that go down there? They didn't care. Yeah, it's very funny. You but know, but is that not a kind of a Sharia law? Place. Yeah, but yeah, but people, you know, it's like Ireland forty years <laughs> ago. Nobody actually cared. <laughs> we didn't care. Yeah, but you know, we were great at pulling up the color, the carpet in the corner yeah. and shove everything under it. Yeah. And listen, we won't yeah. discuss. Do that you think there. Irish people are a tolerant, pe- tolerant people in general, Hugh? Oh yeah, mm. I think so. I, 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 I like to think that myself. I like to think oh, that we're yeah. kind and decent. I think we're kind and decent mm. because of the things that happen to us. Mm. As, as a population, mm. which never get discussed. We never discuss, you know, the abuse that everybody knew about. Mm. We never discuss alcohol. We still don't discuss it. 
Oh, we do. Not as much as we should. Not as much mm. as we should. So if somebody is now calling in your family, mm. you don't go, would you mind going to the doctor? You're actually destroying our family. Mm. And we need to have that conversation. Alcoholism is a disease. Mm. There you go. It is. Yeah, and we need to talk about it yeah. and get on with it. I'm, s- I'm interested in the fact that you described yourself as an alcoholic because um, here's, for those of you out there who don't know how we put our little programs together, um, here's, a, here, here's a flavour of my notes. So my notes were that Hugh suffered with it. Hugh, Hugh had a little bit of a problem with drinking, but he, he fixed it and now he likes to drink again. I do, yeah. But I never wrote, we never had the word alcoholic written down in our, on our notes. Well, I do, I do think, you know, th- n- nothing's 100%. Yeah. So you're, you're on a spectrum sure. of alcoholism. Yeah. I'm definitely on that spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Um, when what, did you decide you were on that spectrum? Oh, 10 years ago. 10 years ago. That's all. That's that's recent. Yeah. And why? Because you were. Beca- no, because I was seeing pink elephants on a Saturday morning flying past. Wee. Yeah, but that's a f- you could you could argue that's a function of getting older and your hangovers no, are no, getting No, 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 no. You were drinking too you much. Know. Yeah, was yeah. I drinking too much? I was Jesus. Why Christ. were you drinking too much? Because the man on the shoulder says it's all right. And I had no respect for alcohol. Mm. I had no respect for it. I had no understanding of the depths that it will go to shove you over the edge and kill you. Right. Had you, and that's, had, that's you, had you always that's enjoyed a drink? Loved it. Yeah. So through your 20s. No. Oh, college. 17. I started at 17. Yeah. Pints of Guinness. Yeah. And then college. Co- I could drink eight pints a night and get up the next morning at seven, go to work. Yeah. And no. In your 30s? Same. Work. Yeah. Pints. Yo, wine. Pints, wine, anything. 30s, I got to wine. 30s, got to wine. Uh, I was uh, fierce posh. 40s. Even gin. Gin, gin. <laughs> yeah. Got 40s. to the gin. Oh, gin, wine, alcohol, whiskey, anything. Feck. I'm not, I'm, please don't understand. And what kind of a drinker Sorry, were can you? I, can no, I just on, say, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to be glib about this. or I'm not, No, it's okay. You're... I'm not trying to be, make it funny. It isn't a funny subject because there are so many families affected by this. Do, that mm. you you know we haven't actually got to the nub of the issue. Yes, but I do think that by discussing things openly, correct, and by being by being a little bit facetious at times, you can become even a little bit more open in the conversation, correct. and and you can return to the seriousness of it. But 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 for example, Ty Kiki, who is a comedian and um, comedian and a kind of a, a, a political comedian, uh, was on this show, and he suffered dreadfully with alcoholism. He suffers dreadfully with alcoholism. He's, he's, he's sober now for a long time. He's a young man, and he's only about 40, and he suffered dreadfully with alcoholism, and to the extent that it nearly destroyed his life completely. Yeah. It nearly, nearly killed him. And, um, but he speaks, he wrote a show, a, a theatre show, about his alcoholism, which is absolutely sublime. Right. A beautiful show. Uh, one-man show about his alcoholism. And... In it, he's very funny. It's very funny. And in when he tells stories about alcoholism, he tells them, he tells about the glory, oh. some of the glory of it, the hilarity and the glory, the things, he, because he wanted to undermine that idea that alcoholism as such, although it is a terrible thing, you do have some hilarious times oh, going yeah. through it. Yeah, It gets you to a very, very bad place. But during it, it can't, there are th- elements with it which were enormous crack. 
I loved it. Yeah, I just I can't say I didn't not I did not enjoy it. What kind? And of I a, was a what, happy alcoholic. Exactly. Yes. So that's what so, I was going to ask you. Yeah, what I kind of a drinker a, oh, were you? Just yeah, I was the, life and soul of the party. Oh, yeah, Let's go for another drink. Oh yeah. Well, um, it's four o'clock in the morning. Way. Come on, come on. There's still somewhere else yeah, we could yeah, go. I'm, yeah, I was. I've been a bit like that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, you obviously maybe the same as me. Had a lot of energy for drinking. Oh yeah. So it never. It would never put you to bed. You'd no, keep no, going. No, no, no. Yeah, me too. Now it's now it's very interesting. Because if I'm around a lot of people mm. that are drinking, mm. I go into, I'm very bored, I have to get out here. Mm. And I go, I just leave. Mm. And that's usually around 10 or half mm. then. That's because it, you start hearing the same things over and over yeah, again. Yeah, just go, God, oh, It's getting uh, a bit boring. Yeah, boring. Yeah. But you do still have the odd drink. Oh, yeah. That's Love nice. my Isn't that brilliant, though? That oh, you yeah, got to that point. I did, yeah. And I'm very lucky, please, yes. please. And I know lots of people will give out to me. In the in the the, the AA and and um, mm. but as I said, for me, there's a spectrum of alcoholism, and you're on that spectrum. Mm. And I think if we recognise that we are on a spectrum, mm. and then decided, well, these are my limits mm. that I'm going to limit myself mm. to, mm. that is a much better discussion mm. than mm. saying you either. Can Do you think your um, alcoholism or the, your, the, on the spectrum was part of a? a greater personality feature on your side that it's something to do with let's say you know the way some people say well I have an addictive personality or um, I have demons and maybe uh, alcohol was a way of wrestling or those demons or maybe I'm just really highly energetic and exuberant and I just could could stomach it I could handle it and I wanted to party more and more I was the latter <laughs> there's no I can say lots yeah. but that was I that was the truth. I enjoyed yeah. it. I did no harm. I had a great time. I got to work. Now, in the latter years, I didn't. It all went screwed up mm. and tits up for me. But but during that, uh, if you like, the first 20 years, it was fabulous. Mm. But at that point, the, the, the man on my shoulder had taken control. Mm. And then you lose control. And it's at that point that it's very dangerous. Yeah, and I suppose there's a point where in I suppose there's a point where it controls you rather than you control correct, it and there's a, that's a kind of a scales. Correct. The scale starts tipping. Correct. Yeah. And you have to be and and that's why I'm saying we need to talk about these things. Mm. We need to like there's there's such a lack of availability of counseling mm. of yeah. services yeah. in this country Is there? just appalling. Oh dear. So at a moment you'll decide I'm stopping drinking. Mm. But then you go, right, who's going to help me? Mm. And there's no one. Mm. And the man on the shoulder is going, way, great, keep it up. Yeah, I know. Right. Keep it up. Right. Yeah, you'll be all right. Right. Yeah, 10 days. Yeah. Don't drink for 10 days. Then you can drink. Whee! Perfect. Well, gay, dyslexic and alcoholic Yay. is just perfect for the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Isn't it? Isn't it gives it? us endless of stuff. The dyslexia is interesting because I suppose when you discovered you're, dis- you're, of, you're of a certain age that, that possibly this wouldn't have been understood when you discovered you were dyslexic. It would 17. Have been, Exactly. 17. So that would have been thir- 45 years ago. And 45 years ago is 1977 in Ireland. So that's not really, you know, what's dyslexia even? Well, I was very lucky. My yeah. teacher, Greg Collins, said, I think you have this oh, yeah. uh, thing going on. Yeah. And he sent me off and I got um, diagnosed with dyslexia. Yeah. And the Department of Education got very confused. There were eight of us in the country mm. and we did our exams orally. 
Okay. So I can, in, in Benefits my, of in a posh my, school. Indeed. In my, in my class, there were 23 yeah. bo- guys. And um, I used to come 21st. So, and I was to go, my parents were organising me to go into the army yeah. as a cadet. Could have been fun, yeah. but... Um, Young man. Indeed, <laughs> an awful <laughs> lot of them. And, <laughs> and, and then I got, I got five honours. And went yeah. straight into buildings. Well done. And I loved it. And, and became I an just, architect. Yeah. Yeah. Are you glad you chose your career as an architect? Oh, yeah. Is it a lovely career, a wonderful yeah, it's career? it's amazing. Yeah. And you're meeting people. And it's interesting because now you go around cities. Yes. And you've made a mark on those cities. Yes. And hopefully you're proud of what oh, you've done. Yeah. Because those buildings are going to be there for four and five hundred yeah. years. I mean, it is an obvious question, isn't it, about legacy, isn't it? It is. And it's that amazing. It doesn't matter whether you go to Galway or you go yeah. to Ennis or Kerry or I made my Cork. mark on the world. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. when my student days, um, we used to be running around uh, town looking for places to go drinking. And you, you, of course, you, 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 when you're a student and you have no money, you go to the National Art Gallery because they're having a wine reception. Indeed. And you give a toss about Caravaggio. Um, all you want to get is the Pinot Grigio you want to get. That's it. Uh, not the Caravaggio. And that's where, I, and, but um, I remember I met, a, uh, I met a, um, an architect once, uh, John Marr. Oh, and uh, love John, him. John was a great man for going, come on, lads, I'll bring you back to our place and you can drink as much as you want. Yeah, yeah. Oh, John was just such a yeah. character. Yeah. You know, that, that's also very interesting because people, there was John, there was a whole group of um, of gays who who looked after the younger younger groups, going back forty years, mm. and the, so the the whole scene was so different mm. then because there were so few mm. gay people who were out, mm. and so and because going back people were called had alter names, so mm. there was mother. Your mother, mm. Auntie. Mm. My name was Wallace because I was Wallace Simpson, so my gay name was Wallace. <laughs> and, Brilliant. And people would talk in yeah. in those terms yes. because it was still underground. So you'd yes. be saying, "Oh, I'm out with Dorothy tomorrow," or yes. "Mother." Yes. And so you, t- you spoke in a code. Yeah. Do you remember? Th- recently, I had Frank Greeny on the on the podcast. Frank Greeny is Matt Cooper's court correspondent. Yes. And he's also um, responsible for doing Inside the Crime podcast. And his latest big big podcast is about the murder of Charles Self. Yes. I remember that vividly. Yes, and you would have been a young man. Yeah, yeah, I knew Charles. Did you? Yeah, yeah. You knew Charles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, tell me about your no- knowledge. No, well, of I just, him, t- I just yeah. knew Charles. He was amazing. Mm. He was, he worked in RTE, yeah. and he was very close friends with Vincent Handley. That's right. And they all hung around together. Yeah. And we used to be lucky enough to hang around sometimes with Vincent Handley, which was a big deal. Oh, yeah, and those he was a rock days, star. Yeah, and he was on telly, and he was doing all that stuff from USA yeah. and all of that. And Charles was was murdered, and it was such a, a, a odd thing as to how and who. Yeah, nobody was ever found. Yeah, and and a lot of unsavory detail emerged from did, the the investigation into the murder did, to do with the police and yes. to do with the way they um, handled it. handled it and the way they 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 uh, what's the word spoke to people and yes. investigated it and yes. and lo- could, you know. Yeah, but they rounded up half the gay community in Dublin almost um, to find out, almost profiling them. Yeah, indeed, what was happening. And the same thing, like if you take the gay guy who was murdered in, in the park mm. on the on the north side, mm. Fairview Park, 
that was a disgrace. Mm. So the people who were were put up on charge, it mm. was like, oh yeah, he was a bit naughty. You're off, mm. and they weren't. There was no repercussions for mm. the people who actually said we were there. Mm. You know, mm. so so going back to that time, mm. there was still an undercurrent. Mm. But there was also like amazing mm. when you think back. Mm. You see, there were no apps, mm. and if you lived in the country, mm. where would you go? Where where would you find anyone? Mm. So there used to be a number of public toilets around the country, mm. and there was one in Tyrrell's Pass, mm. and there'd literally be. Cues mm. trying to get in. Everybody was bursting to go to the Jackson Terrace Pass. Bursting to go. And there'd be truckers and they'd be there in their tractors. The kidney issues that the people in Terrell's Pass tell had. You, was just, but when you think back to that and you say that to people and people are disgusted, but what else were gay people yeah, to do? No, I, don't, I didn't think it was disgusting at all. No, no, I but. It's just but people I, looking for company. That's all. The only way, the only place they can unfortunately get it. Yeah. My, sure, bloody hell, um, George Michael wrote a song about it. Yeah. Let's go outside. You know, so so times were very different, you know, and there was the best one, the best story was uh, a very flamboyant um, uh, Dubliner who was well known on the theatrical scene and more importantly on the fashion scene mm-hmm. uh, had a penchant for um sex in public toilets. Mm. And there was a pissoir on Aston Quay, mm. which had been put there in 1932 for the Ecclesiastical Conference mm. and had remained there ever since. And uh, anyway, the council decided they could get rid of the pissoir because it was a bit past its sell-by date. And Charles bought it off them because he'd had such happy memories and put it in his back garden. Oh, God. Yeah. Brilliant. Love it. And of course, for a designer as well. Oh, indeed. A set designer. Indeed. Perfect, it, ironic you know, piece of... Love it. Yeah, yeah. You're very nice cast iron. Georgia Street, South Georgia Street, has been the, the, the place of, of a couple of, of, of bad attacks. Yes. On, um, on gays. And um, I don't know if it's just that it's been highlighted or if it's if there's an increase or a prevalent increase in the prevalence of this kind of violent behaviour in, in Dublin. No, I think I think that the the difference we we're now in is that it th- this type of thing went on for years. Yes. So I got attacked, you know, on on uh, William Street. Yes. With a bottle in my neck. Mm-hmm. Years ago. So I I think that the difference today is because of apps and mobile phones and TikTok and Mm. WhatsApp and everything, things are much more immediate. But they actually always happen. Yes. So it's the conveyance of the news that's becoming quicker. Correct. And and it's the conveyance of the news exactly. Yeah. But these things always happen. So as a gay as a gay as a gay man, do you feel would you feel not unthreatened or unthreatened physically walking down the street with your partner? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. I feel no more threatened than, than you would else anywhere did. else, yeah. or, or anywhere I, else. No, anyone else. I feel exactly. no more yeah. threatened. Well, than it's funny you should else. say that, actually. Yeah, because I guess what I was getting at was there are some areas of Dublin now where I would feel a little bit more, a little bit yes, more threatened than I would Correct. have maybe 10, 20, 15 a- years ago. Absolutely. And I think it's something to do with drugs. I think it's something to do with cocaine. I think it's something to do with um, kind of people off their minds on cocaine who are just willing to commit random acts of violence without any motive. Correct. 
and I I also believe that, you know, if you look around and, and you, you see streets with shop fronts boarded up and everything else, that adds to the insecurity. Mm. It adds to our perception mm. of feeling nervous. Mm. And, you know, like if you mm. go, if you go to, um, sorry, Kildare Village mm. and you look at the landscaping, mm. you know, when you go down the street there mm. and it's all amazing. Mm. And I'm going, why doesn't Grafton Street look like this? Mm-hmm. And the reason is nobody will pay for it. Mm. It's not looked at as there's no, not one bench on Grafton Street. No, there isn't. Which is outrageous. Yeah. And if people if people are misbehaving, off they go. Mm. Is that a problem of policing, though? It isn't just policing, it's an attitude. Do you, do you understand? Well, I think that it's unacceptable behaviour. And therefore, it's unacceptable and people should be said, sorry, that's unacceptable. Off you go. As, a, as an architect and a person who loves buildings, do you ever, do you ever sometimes consider O'Connell Street and go, what a waste? It is a waste. It's I amazing. Like, look it's, up. It's one of the most amazing streets in look Europe. Yeah, but look up. Go on. Look up and look at the architecture. It's stunning. Yes. But, the buildings are stunning. But, but when it reaches the ground, it's a just But mess. also, you can't go there all night. <clears throat> no, but you, if, if that was in Paris... I'd have, you know, the way they do those covered um, where you put your tables and chairs yeah. and you have like French bistros. Boulevardiers. Yeah. Like, why haven't, why, there's none of that, there's no bench no. on a Collins Street. Yeah. And it does have to do with policing. Yeah. But it's a bit more than just policing. You, you can't. Well, what do we need to do to get O'Connell Street without a big lecture? Oh, what, we, what, what do you need, need to do? What do we need to do to get O'Connell Street, our finest street in the in the Republic? We probably need places for two thousand addicts. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, waste of time. Mm. Unless you deal with the issue, mm. which, which is we're not the addictions. Dealing. Yeah, we're not dealing with the issue. Yeah. So I believe people do not get up in the morning saying I'm going to be a bad person. No, of course not. But within five minutes. The circumstances have already determined yeah. what their day is going to hold. Yes. Because they can't get out of their cycle because there is no assistance. Yes. And, you know, we... we so this goes back to what you were saying about the lack of counselling and care in this country. Yeah. So there is a very... You, 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 it's you, palpable. It's is palpable. It? And you so, can. So again, just back to your main point. If you want to get O'Connell Street and turn it into a beautiful street, take care of the addiction problems. Right. And mm-hmm. and the treatment of same. Correct. Yeah. I know that, but that's no, what you have to do. And that's what you have to do for, like even, even to go to, um, even to go to Temple Moor. I was on the street in Temple Moor where all the guards mm. are made. And the smell of grass was just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> going, do you know, so, so it's not just about Dublin. It's, yeah. it's throughout the country. Okay. Are you just saying in general in Temple Moor the smell of... No, it was on the street and the oh. lads were having a little puff on the corner. And right. Not the cops. No, not the cops. Sorry, I'd like that to be noted. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no. Oh, that was close. Oh, God. I went no, to Temple no. Moor yeah. and the smell of drugs. Yeah. And so I, I was. Led, you were leading me down a garden path there. Let's change the subject. You're currently um, doing bungalow bliss. Whee. Why is bungalow bliss? I grew up in a bungalow in County you. Waterford. Mm. Three bedrooms, one bathroom, a dining room, Separate to a sitting room and a front hall. And a kitchen. Don't forget the and kitchen. And a kitchen and a kitchen at the back of the house. Yeah. And the kitchen at the back of the house would have had a little scullery and a very small area. 
yeah. for eating. Yeah. So th- and it was a smallish house, but yeah. it would have been regarded as uh, not grand, but uh, oh, it would. You know, nouveau riche or something yeah. for its time in Jeez, the 60s. I not were, you were very posh. No, no, no. It was, very, it was fierce posh. It wasn't. Because it was funny because I, I grew up 70s, but it was, my, it was my grandfather yeah. who was a farmer. Yeah. And this is how what this is how the generations are so closely linked, uh, Hugh. So my grandfather married my grandmother. And when they married, they lived in the piggery. Yeah. With pi- in a place with the pigs. Yeah. The, but, a but pig house. No, no. And then you, they were part of that world yeah. who built the first bungalows. Correct. We, he lived we, in a piggery. You would no toilet. No. Like we we forget, yeah. Fifty, I think sixty percent of houses in the sixties didn't have an indoor toilet. That's right, and this would have been the first indoor toilets. Then these bungalows, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and and the way no question now of an ensuite or anything. Not forget that now. Jesus, and there was a front door and a back door, but nobody used the front door unless it was the parish priest or Correct. the doctor. No, we all used the back door. Absolutely, that's right. Yeah. Front door was this kind of yeah. It was like yeah. You're right. Somebody would have to be visiting. To use the front door. And then you got the Axminster carpet in, in the posh room. Yeah. You know, if you were if you were very lucky. We had the posh room. There you Hardly go. ever entered Never into. used. The record Never player used. was in there. Yeah, yeah. And Christmas tree. Christmas tree was in there. Yeah, which nobody could see and a red because ca- the door and was closed. awful red couch with two awful red chairs. Yeah. And I mean bright red. Lovely. Bright red velvet. Very nice. And I hope they had, I hope they had what to call it on the windows. Um, you know the, 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 the doily curtains yeah yes super yeah love it those kind of doilies but the the, the bungalow came from it's the same <clears throat> the, the bungalow came it was very interesting so Jack designed these bungalows mm. because the council had stopped building any houses mm. down in the countryside mm. and Jack's book was a was self-built Jack? Jack Fitzsimons okay sorry in 1972 produced my bungalow bliss and off it went ah. and the interesting thing was there were three drawings only and they contained all the information you required <laughs> for to build your house, including the heating, the plumbing and all the specifications. Wow. And you sent away your 10 quid, which is a lot of money in those days, uh, post and by postal order, and you get your six sets of drawings. You gave four into the council for planning and you had two sets left to get a tender. Mm. And off you went. Mm. And... And then you had a grant system. Mm. So you got a grant for using Irish. Mm. So there mm. were there were Basta locks, which were fierce posh, the yes. circular remember ones it. with the lock That's in it. the middle. Remember the Basta locks? Do you remember That's those? Your, I haven't thought of that word in 40, 40 years. There you go. And they didn't work, inevitably. Mm. They were a bit dodgy. Mm. So what did you put in, the builder put in the Basta locks in the bungalow. Yeah. And then the inspector come around, ticked a box, yeah. and you got the 75 quid. <laughs> and then as soon as he was gone, the bastard locks were taken out of your house and put in the next one. Mm. And the proper locks were put in your house. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you now, this, this, is, this is going back to a time now, right, where I lived in a house, I, I did the bungalow. And this was at a time where our telephone, because we only had one telephone, the telephone was in the hall. Yes. Uh, like Dallas. Yes. And the telephone would ring. And we had four numbers. So our, that's all. No, as in four numbers. Oh yes, four, yes, four, four Sorry, yes, yes. So our number at the beginning is, but the early, my earliest memories are our number being seven five seven four three. Right? Isn't that correct? That was our number, and the phone would ring, and it would ring five times. Let's say, and I'm my grandmother mightn't go out to ring it, answer it. So I'd go out as the child. I go out and I go, hello, and it's go and he'd go. It's Whalen here. Is the boss man in? <laughs> that's his name was Jim Whalen. Is the boss man in, and that's the that's that's my grandfather. 
<laughs> and it was just seven, you know, seven five, f- five seven four three. That was our number. Oh God, you know those. Well, well, well we we used to. So we we used. So my aunt had a bungalow just outside uh, Rathnew. Rathnew. Down, it's just sorry, not Rathnew. Kilcool down Wicklow, mm. and uh, we the URLs ran the shop mm. in in the town, the, the general merchants, mm. but she was also the postmistress and the telephone mm. lady. So okay. <clears throat> my my mum would phone up and say, um, could you put me through to my aunt, to, <laughs> to, to, to the sister? Yeah. And she'd get, ah, there's no point, she's going into the butcher now. Because yeah. she had mirrors set up oh. in the shop. So from where she could see, she could go look up and down <laughs> the village. <laughs> oh, God. Ireland. <laughs> Ireland, eh? Listen, um, Hugh, I'm really enjoying the conversation. There's a number of people who have been listening to oh, the God. thing. And, and they've been out and about. But I asked, I put, I basically put the word out there. I oh, say, Hugh Wallace is on. Well. Um, do you want to, who, and I ask people who they want, if they want to tune in. So a few people always tune in, depending on who it is. So a few people are on the line. So Leo Bradker is on the line. Oh, Leo. Uh, so say hello to him. Hello, Leo. How are you? Hi, Hugh. Uh, really, really enjoying the uh, the conversation. The, the stories of Freddie Mercury is brilliant. As uh, Studio Fifty Four, if only I was old enough. Um, indeed, indeed. You know what's really annoying me? Uh, this bloody housing crisis. Um, and I heard you uh, I had a couple of interesting uh, uh, ideas. I don't know, something marshland or something. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, fill in, fill in, um, Sandyman Strand, fill in Clontarf. Fill in all the docks down in Cork. Fill in Lockatolia in Galway. You know, there's right. so much opportunity What about here. the uh, planning? What? Planning. Uh, oh, that, yeah, but you're going to get rid of that. You're going to deal with that. Am I? Oh, yeah. Sure, that's what you're there for. Right. So you, you think know? this is the way to go? Because oh, I'm trying it's... to think of things before the shinners. I mean, before uh, the, the, you know, the next Oh, night. yeah, before the yeah. No, no, that's... Leo, you're onto a winner there. So like the re- people of Clontarf. Reclaiming people, marshland. Yeah. The people at Clontarf and Sandymount will be so happy to see beautiful buildings in front of them and the sea gone. Right. That's a vote winner. It is. It is. Absolutely. Big vote winner there. You're not being very helpful, Hugh. Yeah, yeah, but it's true. Right. It's what needs to be done, you know. How do I get re-elected, Hugh? Uh, What? How do I get re-elected? Promise everything, do nothing. No, but in relation to the housing, please. What? What? In relation to the housing. Oh, build. You have to go and get temporary homes, caravans, put them up, take over brownfield sites. You know, we, we have to use our imagination and we're not. If you say to somebody, we're going to put you in a temporary home, they go, ooh, I'm not living in a temporary home. But you go and look now at some of those temporary homes down in Jack's Hole, down in British Bay. Tell you, you'd love one of them. Jack's Hole? Indeed. Okay. Thanks a million, Hugh. If there's one thing I'll take away from the conversation is Jack's old. Thanks a million. Okay, Francis Brennan is on the line. Ah, Say hello. Hello, Francis. How are you? How are you, Hugh? Oh, God, it's great to talk to you. I'm fantastic. I'm really enjoying our conversation with Mario. Really, really enjoying it. Thank you very much. I've always really wanted to know, what do you think of Irish people's tastes in general when it comes to interior design? Ghastly. Really? Oh, What's ghastly. the worst thing about it? What's oh, the, give it, give it, give it a they, lo- they love collection of rubbish. Right, they like love flying ducks going up the oh, wall. Oh, love it. But do other countries not do that as well, Hugh? Not, not to the same extent as the Irish. No. I think the Irish just we have odious have taste. We, no, we just have, we have that penchant, as I said earlier, for more and more and more and throw nothing out. Right, now so it's kind of hoarders. Hoarders. Yeah. They're all hoarders. Great. What but do can do? I just say what? something? I love it. 
underneath it all. You love the hoarding. Lo- love the hoarding. Oh, you love a bit of hoarding, do you? Oh, I love it. Particularly when you pick up a thing and you can think, imagine the... the s- no, no. What? Imagine the stories that go with these things that are on the wall. What's great, isn't it? You never know what you find out about people. Never. There's Wonderful such stuff. opportunity. The gossip in it. Such opportunity. Oh, jeez, yeah. I just love it. But do you think we have... So, it's a good point or bad uh, to Irish people's taste, do you think? Good aspects. Well, I think it's amazing because we're so creative and we're willing to push the boat out. Great. And I just think it's fantastic. I think what people do is amazing. And new on, on Home of the Year this year, we have just an extraordinary selection of houses. Great programme. Super. Love that. But Like my programme, except you don't... You well... Just, you go in and judge them. Exactly. It's a much yeah, easier... I go in and change them. You do, yeah. Yeah, yeah but sometimes now your colour schemes are a bit odd. But anyway... Oh, thanks, right. Do you know what I mean? Right. I just think if if there's any any hints you'd need at any time, right. I could come. You're looking you know, for another gig, are you? Yeah, sure. Right. I'd come around. Yeah. I'd come yeah. around and help you. I'm you sure need you a would, bit yeah. of help. No, I'm on the ground. Do you know what, what I mean? What, what I asked, I'll talk to John about it. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I also think a bit of colour now. You need a bit of colour on those Show shirts. Show a bit of colour on the walls. No, on, on you. On the shirts. On you. All right. You're a bit bland. Am I? You're a bit bland. Right, I'm a bit you know floppy I mean? or something, am I? No, no, you're a bit bland. I think that you just look so much better Maybe now. Maybe pinks a bit of or reds. Pinks, reds, Florals. flowers. Flowers. Florals. Yeah, lots of flowers. Good. It'd look great. Right, an old paisley shirt or something. Indeed. A pair Indeed. of Bermuda shorts. Indeed, something like this that. This way. That's it. Right. Perfect. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks a million. Not at all. Jesus, you're fair, fair. That's brilliant advice to him, Hugh. Uh, David Norris is on the line. Say David. hello to David. Hello, David. Hello, Hugh. Wonderful to talk to you. I love your story about meeting Freddie Mercury in Studio 54. I can beat that. Go for it. I went synchronised swimming with Liberace and Elton Ah. John in Bette Midler's house. How do you like that? I love it. I'm jealous. God, we got wet. Bet you did. No one better than you. Wonderful stuff. Do we owe David Norris a lot? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, we owe him so much when you think back because he was out there. Mm. He was our voice. Mm. Are you friends with him? I, I haven't seen David for years, but mm. we actually worked on his house some years ago. Oh, that wonderful and, house in Henrietta and, Street. Yeah, and he was on Celebrity Home of the Year. Is it Henrietta Street? One, and one. And one. No, no, no. no North, South, Great North Great George Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. And he did win it. He did. Yeah, it's so, an amazing house, yeah, isn't it? Amazing, it's so... There's, it's it's so full of character. Yeah, but what's great about the house is he starts in the morning at the bottom of the house mm. and then works, works his, his way, way up, up to the top, to the very top. I love it. And in the evening, he has this amazing sunroom and he can watch the sunset. Yeah. So I think is he a brave man? He was. He was. Mm. A, he's a very, very brave man. Mm. But he was a very brave man at the time. That's what I mean, really. You know. But again, this this double standard in Ireland where all of a sudden he became a senator. Mm. And if you like, he's now part of the institution Mm. of Ireland, which is very interesting. You know the way, uh, to a certain extent, when we got delisted as being illegal, Mm. and to a certain extent, I think that the gay community in its now ever larger gay community is uh, got homogenised and in fact lost its edginess. Uh-huh. In in a funny way, I know what you mean. So we lost, you know. If you no, think it's a bit back like in music. I loved their early stuff, and then they yeah. went they went mainstream. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's a bit. The, the gays have done that. The gays, <laughs> their, their initial albums were edgy, fabulous. Yeah. They were fab. They were creative. They were fabulous and everything else. But now they're just a bit. It's mainstream. gone a bit Coldplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a shame. Yeah, 
and, and used to be stiff little fingers. Yep. Now it's Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do, I do think that's quite inter- interesting. You know, and yes, I think- it is. I see what your point is. I see what your point is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's an interesting observation. Yeah, go on, go on. You're seeing one. So, and I, I just think that you know, when when you look at Ireland, particularly now, where it's becoming a very diverse society, much more than I think we even know it is. I don't think we've quite the diverse society is ahead of us, and we haven't quite caught up with it mm. as a society. And I think while that's a big challenge, I think it's also can make the country mm. that diversity of well, ideas of of how to do things. People in Eastern Europe do things differently. They do. And that's fine. Yeah. And we need to understand that and bring the good bits of that. Exactly. In, into, yeah. into and, our And society. it's all ahead of us because... It is. No, it is all ahead of us in a very real way because our the demographics of our population are changing rapidly. And we're going to have 8 million people in this country before we know it. Oh, yeah. And, and 10 million... But we'll have no houses. Just, <laughs> just <know that. laughs> 5 million of them will be living in, in caravans. Uh, yeah. Um, no, but we will. And, and there will be a much more diverse, again, yeah. culture. So I think it's up to us to, to really embrace that and to... Yeah, I went up you know. to the primary school up in Bolton Street. And um, I, w- I was up there in connection with a project. But over 50% of the students are now from diverse communities. Mm. Mm. And I think that's that's fabulous. And the school yeah. was fabulous. And he said, and the great thing is that interaction of of ideas and culture. And culture is yeah. happening really young. Yes. So all of a sudden it's normal. That's right. And that's what's so important. And that's good. So you don't have to become this person who goes, right, need to take a course in what it's like to be diverse. No, it's no, just you, you are. No, you know the one, there's a great, there's a great uh, taxi man over in the Iron Islands, on the big Iron Islands, and he's black. Mm. And so he's called Blackie. Yeah. Do you know, because that's what he was called when he arrived. Yeah. But he's still called Blackie, but yeah. nobody takes offence. Yes. Do, 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 do you know what I mean? I think of sometimes... Course I know what you mean. But sometimes I think we're very sensitive. Mm. And so... You know, when when other people arrive in the island and go, Blackie's mm. going to take you yeah. in the taxi. Mm. Go, well, that's disgraceful. Yeah. How can yeah. you call him that? Yeah, but see, they don't understand the context no. in that case. And he's he's a Gaelgore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Which I love. <laughs> yeah, With this great. deep local accent. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's yeah. fantastic. Love it, yeah. Yeah, very good. And finally, um, Serene McKellen is on the line. Oh. Uh, one of the famous, most famous gay actors in the world. Uh, say hello to Serene. Hello. How are you? Hello. Hugh, I'm going to read you something rather special. I've been listening to the podcast, and I'm going to see if you recognize these words. Don't stop me now. I'm having such a good time. I'm having a ball. Don't stop me now. If you want to have a good time, just give me a call. Don't stop me, because I'm having a good time. Don't stop me. Yes, I'm having a good time. I don't want to stop at all. Wow. That's just Please don't. Please don't. Listen, Hugh, the great Ian McKellen reciting Freddie Mercury's Don't Stop Stop Me me now. Now. Isn't that great? Could you have thought of a better way to bookend that conversation? Absolutely not. Brilliant. Are you, are you happy? 
I'm deliriously happy. happy. Is there anything else you'd like to get off your chest? No. Thank you, you very much. You're very kind. And and um, thank you very much for having me on. Just loved it. And my thanks to Hugh Wallace for a great conversation. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you enjoyed the comedy. Please get in touch. MarioRosenstock at gmail.com. I read them all. See you same time, same place next week. <laughs>